Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are. Um, this is the Black Hat Chat. And the Black Hat Chat, in case you don't know, is two witches that get together and just talk about different topics. And uh, so this is a collab between myself, Lee Johnson, or Red Oak, and Rev Kai over there. <laughs> um, if you'd way over there, yeah, in a different country. Um, I put I can touch you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you do, if you do like our content and this channel and everything else, Twitch, we're on YouTube and we're on Twitch. If you uh, have a bit of a problem with YouTube at any point, you can switch over to Twitch. But uh, if you do like our content and you would like to support us, please do so. You will find links in the description for Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon. And we also have a fantastic Facebook group named Wildwood Temple. So if you are looking for a community of like-minded people, then uh, go join up there. Hello, Miss B, how are you? And uh, yeah, Monique, we were just, we, I was going to get to your comment about your fight with your husband. <laughs> so this, this should be quite interesting this week. <laughs> yeah, so today we are talking about fate and free will. And uh, this is one of those topics that totally boggle my mind. So you, you're going to get a lot of blank expressions from me. Um, yeah, so free, free, I think the majority of people actually do believe in free will. Um, but when, it really, when you really, really look at it, it, it actually doesn't exist. But trying to wrap your head around the whole fate thing, is just <laughs> crazy. <clears throat> Sorry, forgive my throat today. Well, I think we should start out with a caution that mm. these are just our opinions. And mm. if you don't agree with our opinions, that's totally cool. Nobody, we do not have to agree on any of this stuff because this is a controversial topic and it upsets people <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Um, as as Monique, Monique is witness to this. Yes, I have uh, ended friendships having this discussion at times. So <laughs> please, please realize that no one is asking anyone to agree. You are free to hold your own opinions after this discussion. We're just going to talk about things. We're just going to bat ideas around and... and have considerations and try to leave our defensiveness to the side and when we're done with the conversation we can pick up our judgments and keep them for ourselves so i hope that's a big enough cautionary tale that we don't it, end up screaming in the comments yeah if you if you don't see us next week um you know why <laughs> this is it this is what ended 25 years of a good friendship and a, a working partnership. Boom. Yeah, no, I, I actually remember years ago when I was on um, um, Robin Robin Artisan's uh, Yahoo group, one of them anyway, and he used to go on about f um, fate. <clears throat> He's a hard fatalist. Mm -hmm. And he used to just talk circles around people. It was hysterical most of the time. <clears throat> so I really do have a strong in my throat today. Coffee. Um, 
but yeah, it was just, it was actually really entertaining watching his discussions. I've got to say, and it it really it actually opened my eyes to the whole thing. Um, you know, I, I think for a, a long time I I didn't even consider it. You know, it was just free will. I talk about a a boat that travels down a stream, and you know you can't veer off to the the bank. You know, you've got to steer your boat going down the stream because you've still got to move with the current. Um, <clears throat> but even that. It doesn't really, you know, sort of bring fate into it because you're still thinking you're still thinking you're 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 steering down the street, mm. and you still think you're actually got free will. But at the end of the day, what makes you actually move the rudder? Well, I think, like so many things, this is a spectrum, and this is a fairly binary spectrum in most people's opinion. It's either free will or it's fate. And absolute free will, I can, we can disprove pretty quickly um, because we're bound by the constraints of mortality. We can't just choose to live forever. We can't just choose to change the mortal coil that we have. And, you know, like in heathenry, we talk about Orle, the fate that you inherit from your ancestors, which in modern times we would understand as circumstances of birth you're born in a certain time in a certain place with a certain set of genetics you get a certain body that does certain things in certain ways uh, including being born human or some other species you know being born a dog that's your orle that's what you're inheriting from your ancestors and those are things you can't really change you don't have any control over that stuff so, you know, that absolute free will to do absolutely anything you want. Obviously, we can't go that far to the extreme, but usually when people are talking about free will, they're talking about freedom of choice. Mm. They're, they're not talking about just crazy out there, unless you're watching The Secret or some weird stuff like that. You know, <laughs> the absolute uh, freedom, which obviously that's my opinion of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> just dismissed the secret there we go thank you very much it's a little more complex than a vision board and some wishing in the mornings well i mean even even the people who are actually in that that movie uh i actually haven't read the book i watched the movie i mean the people who are in the movie even said so yeah um i think at least one of them went on to actually do uh talks and conferences all over the world um yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that is a bit, I think it, it is a bit naive um, to think that you can just, you know, say something to the universe and it will come back to you. Uh, it's definitely a lot more. Um, I think <clears throat> Monique said, uh, I think Hubby and I are divided, mostly because he's an, an atheist and I'm a witch. Anti-theist. He doesn't buy into e either, either fate or free will. Uh, I don't hold on to fate, but a portion of free will plays into my view. Okay. If you don't hold on to fate or free will, what, what do you hold on to? That's a bit of a, that's a bit of a mystery. The Terry Pratchett view? Things just are? What the fuck? Yeah, could be, <laughs> could be. <laughs> In any binary, there's always something outside of the binary because you can't draw a line without some space around it. Mm -hmm. So. Sorry, I actually, I actually read that wrong. 
anti-theist, not atheist, anti-theist. Mm-hmm. Anti-theist. You know? <clears throat> so. Well, you know, yeah. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, so when most people are talking about free will, they're talking about freedom of choice. That they have the free will to choose perhaps their path through life or their actions or a lot of times people feel that they have free will because they know they made a choice and then did the action and that right there is my reasoning for rejecting free will um, or not believing in it because emotions are not precursors to actions our brain just rearranges the order of things just like sensory input gets rearranged in order um so you can think of the brain as a central processing unit and instead of this thing comes in it processes it and goes out and so on and so forth one piece at a time it's more like this big box of information arrives and the brain unpacks it and goes i'm going to put it in this order and then outputs it and some of those things are emotions and actions and we know from not so recent anymore uh, study of the brain and emotional causality that more times than not action precedes the emotion we think caused it which is why you can smile and feel happy you don't have to feel happy to smile the physical Mm. movements of the body trigger in the brain oh we're smiling therefore we must be happy let's release the dopamine and the serotonin now we feel happy but a lot of times that happens so quickly that we think it goes the other way around and therefore we think we made the choice to be happy and that's why we're smiling well i mean a lot of people say that if you smile on purpose to try and make yourself happy it actually works because it releases the dopamine mm-hmm. um so that would make sense actually yeah i think those studies were coming out like in the 1980s so mm. you know we've had a while with them but of course that's not not the only way that happens that's just one example that we're familiar with the happy chemicals and the action but that occurs again and again and again in our processing Um, It is the actions that we are taking that give us what we think of as the antecedents to them, including many of our ideas about choices we make. Mm -hmm. And so there is, in heathenry again, the description of weird. Weird is the fate that we write ourselves. It's what turns into Orle when we pass it on to someone else. And we often say that, um, you know, weird goes ever as she will, because it's already set. We don't really get a lot of choice in it, but we have to participate in it. We can't opt out, Mm. right? Um, We don't even have the choice to be like, I want to play or I don't want to play. No, (laughs) by being, being made mortal, we must participate in the process of the creation of weird in order to pass it on and and write it into original law that's what orlay means original law 
So mm -hmm. the way I usually describe this in classes is walking. If you're walking, you are fated to be walking because if you pick up your foot, you're going to have to put it down, right? And if you are in motion, the motion is carrying you forward. It is causing you to put one foot in front of the other. You don't get to choose that your left foot is on the ground and your right foot is in the air, and now you'd like to put your left foot down. You got to put your right foot down. You have mm -hmm. to do the next fated action. You have to follow in that fate. Now, some people will argue you can choose to put your foot down and stop walking, or you can choose to put your foot down in another manner, right? But did that conscious choice and that conscious thought that you just had to make a change in your fate, was that really yours? Because, I mean, your brain's rearranging these signals anyways, telling you constantly that you're the one that is the cause of these things. You're the one making these choices. But we know it's rearranging them to coincide with actions we've already taken. And this is happening in seconds, milliseconds even, super fast. But we can't observe it without some scientific equipment that measures things better than our eyes can great but this 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 twitch is, is still twitch is twitch is getting spammed yeah oh uh, all the spammers on twitch piss off <laughs> yep so um this however does not have anything to do with cause and effect does it well yeah, cause and effect. So, um... Sorry, while, while you're busy there, I'm just going to actually yeah. uh, talk about a, a nice visualization that I, I picked up years ago. It was actually to do with weird okay. and how you, how weird actually progresses. Um, I actually love the visualization. So it, it was about you are walking along a path and your weird is being woven as you're walking and it's, it's constantly being woven, but you are not weaving it yourself. All you're doing is stepping onto the path, which has already been woven for you. Um, but it is constantly being woven. It's not this path that has just been laid out, uh, and already woven before you're even born or before you even exist. It's constantly being woven, which I thought was actually fantastic. Um, it kind of speaks to fate, but the, not that fate has, has been predetermined throughout entire existence and entire time. Um, it's constantly in motion, constant flux and everything else. And I, I, I actually love that, that visualization myself. Yeah. So that brings up something. So we talked about absolute free will being kind of weird that you can't... Mm -hmm. You can't just choose, you know, to be another person in another time kind of thing. Uh, there's absolute fate also that I think is the other extreme end of the spectrum. And that is everything is written forever and ever. And it is a single line. I've been watching the new Loki uh, Marvel series and think about the sacred timeline. 
right? I'm especially watch that. Yeah. Same same <laughs> kind of thing. There is one line through history. Everybody's everything is absolutely written, and it's all faded. And that's kind of a nihilism to a certain degree, because if it's all faded and everything is written, it doesn't matter what you do, mm-hmm. because it's all written. And this is something I see um, interpreted for ancient heathens repeatedly. It came up in the Vikings TV series that warriors would go into battle fearlessly because they believed that they were fated to die on a certain day. So it didn't matter what the outcome of the battle was because their death date had already been chosen or they only had so much owned. They only had so much breath. And once it was used up, that was it. So it didn't matter. Didn't matter if you went and fought and got your side slashed open. If you weren't fated to die, you weren't fated to die. So mm-hmm. that's, I see, see that as like the other extreme, the far end of the spectrum. So, and I don't think that's quite true either because you can jump timelines. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about being able to do that before. So, uh, you know, my experience says the absolutist free will doesn't work and the absolutist fatalism doesn't work because I can, Mm. I can violate both of those sets of rules. Yeah. That's why I like that visualization so much. Um, Clue. Hello, Hluelin. Lynn. Um, what about something like all probabilities happen at the same time since time does not exist as we observe it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's quite what I was saying. You know, we, we can jump timelines. We can remove ourselves from, from the timeline. Um, so if there are multiple timelines, then, you know, to consider, I don't know, I've got, I've got a small brain, but to consider millions and millions of different timelines all fated from beginning to end when there is no beginning or end um don't know it just seems a bit impossible to me i think the idea that all probabilities are simultaneous because time is simply a dimension of perception is much closer um to the Mm. way we understand it but to consider it as multiple timelines is still a fourth dimensional point of view because we are existing in that fourth dimension. We can't really see the fifth dimension as time itself as a separate thing. Like we can see depth and width and height because of Mm. where we are in our perception. Now that doesn't mean you can't move, you know, we can shift, we can move, um, we can view things, but we can't get too far away from where we're anchored. You know, I can, slip into that fifth dimensional view sometimes and be able to see time and and the passage of time on mortal bodies um, and physical manifestations. And sometimes I can slip just a little bit past that and be able to see um, the several different possibilities simultaneously. Probably not all because limited perception and I'm pushing the boundaries of my perception and, and my, uh, meat fat processing unit I've got to carry around in the mortal body um, at that point. And that's about the limits of of what I can do. But math and scientific theory very clearly extrapolate up to 10 dimensions. It's really easy to do the math and see that that's where you get 
all possibilities and all realities exist within the 10th dimension. It is a sum of everything. And so, you know, I, I can understand and theorize it's there, even if I can't experience it firsthand. Mm. But now how does, <clears throat> this might be a bit of a off topic, uh, topic, timelines versus parallel lives. I mean, are we talking about the same thing or we're not? I don't Hopefully know. Um, yeah, this is where it gets timey-wimey, Dr. Huey. Yeah, so a lot of people talk about time as a linear function, and hence why we have timeline. And we think mm. of it as you start at A, and you progress, and end at B, and it only goes one way. And it's a singular process. And then we can conceptualize, well, maybe there's two of them. You know, okay? Different things happen, but still... Uh, singular process and if we say simultaneous or parallel lives we assume they are running at the same rate right and they are flowing mm -hmm. only forward at the same rate but it's not my experience either because in different realms time passes differently mm -hmm. and it doesn't yeah, always no. go forward or yeah. backwards even sideways is an option as yeah. is... I mean, if, 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 if time is, is lateral, then it, it wouldn't move forward at all. It would all just exist at the same moment. So yeah. I think there are useful um, times to think about time as a line um, or a strand. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about save workings and managing um, outcomes and that sort of thing, we think of a strand of yarn that is being plied together and you have a whole bunch of different options and then you have the ply, the finished yarn that stretches out behind you because that's already done. That's, that's the choices that have already been made, the orlay that has happened. And then in the front are possibilities, things that could possibly feed into it. And how you twist it determines, you know, how it goes, whether it kinks up, it gets bumpy, there's a knot, there's a break. If you want to break some bits off, if you want to graph some new bits on. And it's a very useful metaphor, but it's a metaphor. Because mm. we, we got to wrap our heads around it some way. Especially if we're getting into the magic of manipulating this stuff. We need some way to relate to it so that we can conceptualize it and manipulate it. If it's just wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, I mean, what do you do with that? How do you do magic on that? If you can't, mm. If you can't define it, if you can't plug in somehow then you can't you know change anything or or even figure out what it is but mm -hmm. i don't think any of those metaphors should be taken for more than that metaphors that are mm -hmm. useful to pick up sometimes and sometimes you need to put them down and and look at it another way that light is a wave and a particle mm -hmm. you know um so it's not, it's, it's both and one or the other. And that's where we get into the idea that observation and interaction is affecting what's coming out, which should mean that f absolute fatalism doesn't work, right? Because if the observation is uh, an action upon the outcome, then you can't have complete fatalism. Because mm. you've had to have made a choice somehow to interact 
Unless that choice wasn't actually yours. <laughs> See, that's where it gets it gets a bit gets a bit icky there. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, if if it's not our choice, whose choice is it? You know. Well. Um, there, you know, some people do believe yeah. in a divine architect that yes. has arbitrated all of fate and all of outcome. All damn fate herself. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and we personify things that we don't understand because, again, we need a way to re relate to them. We need a way to interact with them. And so, you know, Dame Fate is one way to do mm. that. Definitely. Well, I mean, the whole uh, metaphor with the strand and the yarn, I mean, that that uh, falls directly into the fates, the norms. Um, have a look at the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, weaving goddesses and uh, that sort of thing in the Nornir as weaving a tapestry, it, it's a useful metaphor that has come up again and again, especially because humans produce cloth at home for a very, 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 very long time. Very, mm. very long time in the span of, of human history. Um, so lots of people were interacting with the process of going from raw fiber to clothing, to fabric. You know, and that, that's a whole, whole involved process of manipulating and changing and everything else, whether you're starting with like sheep or lamb's wool or you're starting with flax or some other plant fiber there's a lot involved in that and it's mm. a it's a automatic process it doesn't require a lot of front mind detail once you get muscle memory to do it so it's very meditative allows your mind to drift and you get to thinking about things like you know <laughs> This whole spinning process, this is kind of magical. I can do some weird stuff while I do this. You know, I can mm. I can connect this little strand I'm I'm spinning here for my, you know, wedding shawl to how that marriage is going to manifest, you know, all sorts of things. So it's real easy to see where those connections come and how they work, especially magically. Mm. Um, right, going back to the processes that happen in our brain. So information comes in, it gets processed, and it creates a cause. And we do an action or feel something while well, we do an action that uh, then results from that process. Um, so coming back to cause and effect, uh, that would be cause and effect at the end of the day, as far as I understand it. Because you, the, you know, the, the Information's coming in, it's being processed, it's creating something, we do something, we do something, more information comes in, that gets processed, which is an effect of that thing, and we continue on well, from there. there are two assumptions happening there on our part. First is that a cause has an effect. And second is that something that happens before is the cause, and something that happens after is the effect. That's how we understand cause and effect. And it requires linear time for that to be part of the logic. Before and after require linear time. Mm. So Start moving forward, yeah. Yeah. And singular linear time. We do not assume that there is a parallel timeline for simplicity at the moment because it's much more complex than that. 
that is creating a cause over here and having effect over here. We would put those on one line if that were the case. And we would call it collapsing the timelines. So all of our thought about cause and effect, our um, initiator and outcome, are based on singular, linear time. Mm -hmm. So if we remove that, because we know that's a false constant, there goes cause and effect. And if we know that the brain doesn't really put things together in the right order necessarily, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes shit just piles up. I mean, all humans have an inbuilt trauma response pause. When we are under high stress and trauma, we will not have emotions because the brain mm. does not want to record memories at that time. It is protecting us. And it just piles everything up in the corner until later. Right? And that can happen due to physical pain, stress, emotional pain, and overstimulation. It can happen because the light's too bright or the sound mm. is too loud. You know? And it will eventually get to processing that stuff, but it's not in any kind of order anymore. And the relationships it makes sometimes make no sense. That's what PTSD is. When we go through trauma and it processes a bunch of shit later and all of a sudden it puts bananas together with a bomb. Like, because it's just putting things together in whatever order and it's like, ah, cause and effect, just throw it in the pot, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> We know we can't necessarily rely on that because <laughs> it gets things wrong, not in stressful times, and it gets things wrong in stressful times, like, a lot. And it just, we can't say that linear time is a constant in understanding cause and effect, which also, like, calls into question all of magic. Mm. Like, did you really do magic? Or were you just aware did you have clear cognizance before the event happened so you chose to do this stuff but for an outcome that was already faded that you could already tell was happening but you had to take these actions so you thought you were the one that made it happen yeah i want i wanted to get into that discussion after the break <laughs> oh, sorry um, <laughs> because that's going to get quite involved um yeah that's when that's when everybody's just going to leave the chat fuck it well <laughs> <laughs> with these people no that's a yeah. perfectly perfectly reasonable reaction to all of this <laughs> totally all right so everybody heard it here there is no free will there is no hard fatalism there is no cause and effect <laughs> there is no time <laughs> yeah, there's time but i don't think there's singular just... linear time no but that's one of those filters that makes it easier for us to exist. Mm. It makes it easier yeah. for us to understand things. Well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, people just need to get by in life, so they just go for the easiest solution. And they don't question what, you know, everything out there, really. We have tons and tons of shortcuts like that as humans. Um, mm. You know, and... You can see it when kids are little and we give them very simple explanations when they ask the inevitable question, why? And, you know, 
why is the sky blue? Well, it has to do ref with refraction of water suspended with dust and that sort of thing and the angle of the sun in relation to the horizon and the tilt of the earth. Or we can just say, oh, because it's reflecting the ocean. Mm. Okay. Well, then later, why is the ocean blue? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it didn't used to be blue. It used to be wine colored because, you know, our ancestors couldn't see blue long ago um because mm. you know shortcuts so we have tons of those we have tons of those and we don't know we have them a lot of them we pick up at some point in our life we go how does this work why does this do this what is the explanation and we find something that fits you know and it just it fits and we go good enough now i know curiosity satisfied and we drive on with those assumptions because mm what else can we do and it's not until later on in life or until something comes up that challenges that fit do we have cause to look again because i mean we cannot sit around all the time debating about fate and free will we'd go nuts right yeah. we have to <laughs> we have to have enough that we can like not stress for a little bit and and do the dishes and <laughs> vacuum the floor and, and get those sorts of things done otherwise we'd mm. freeze up and just mm. not we all, function we already anymore. are nuts so that's okay. <laughs> but not 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 much in the chat today by the way <laughs> sorry <laughs> no. so those base assumptions don't get challenged very often and when they do get challenged one of the things that is really dangerous is confirmation bias. As humans, we have an understanding of how we think things are. And everything we encounter, every new piece of information, we compare it to the edifice we've already built. Does this match? Is it real? Is it true? And if it matches the edifice we've already built, then we usually say, yeah, it's real, it's true. And if it doesn't, we go, eh, I don't think that's true, and we just toss it out and rarely do we start going well maybe maybe my structures aren't quite solid or maybe there's something i don't know until we've had like a whole bunch of those challenges that don't fit rarely do we pick it up the first time which is why we have the scientific method why we call things theory you know um it is relative theory it is a theory of relativity. It is not, it's because we think we know what it is. We think we know how it works, but then we find new information that doesn't fit the model and we have to go, we don't know how it works because it doesn't explain this, you know? And that goes on and on and on and on. And in a scientific setting, we do that in large peer groups. We all get together and we do these experiments and then we look at all the results and we go, well, 10% didn't work. Did we screw it up? Or does our theory have a hole in it? But in mm. magic, we don't do that. We usually yeah. are just by ourselves, having experiences, comparing them to our pre-built edifice. And sometimes because those experiences are numinous, they are hard to grasp. We can't even put them into words and define them. We can't hold on to them in our memories that confirmation bias is even worse because we can't record all the parameters and compare them 
we go talk to someone about our dream and our dream shifts and morphs as we describe it and we record it in our memory through the recounting and we change it which is why you know most magicians will hammer on and on about a journal you need a journal you need a magical diary you need a book of shadows because you're going to remember things wrong you just are and it's also why you got to talk to other witches yeah but it's also filters i mean if you, if two people see an accident they're going to report two different oh, yeah. things exactly the same accident but we filter so much out um that you know two people's experiences are completely different mm-hmm. um but I, I do think in a lot of cases people just accept it like you know accept this accept that because it's easier to do it that yeah i remember a time i witnessed an accident i was you know the front car at the stoplight and it happened in front of me and i'm filling out the police report as a witness and writing everything down and the officer is going over what i wrote with me and he's like well here you said they came from the south and here you said they came from the right those are different directions and i was sure mm-hmm. i knew what had happened it's absolutely sure i was right there i saw it but no <laughs> i had mm. mixed things around and wrote things down and then talking to the other two people that were there and witnessed it after we filled out reports they had different stories mm. about the timing and, and what happened first and so on and so forth and it was just you know one of those points where i went yeah you don't know you were right there you watched it all happen you think you know i felt so confident so confident Mm. in what I had seen and my ability to recount it and it clearly was not I mean I got some details wrong but also there were things I didn't realize had happened either I didn't see them or I probably got the information and processed it but my brain went that's not important (laughs) you know that was not a cause of this effect you don't need that Mm. but maybe it was yeah yeah, well, the brain's a funny thing, but it is, it's, again, it comes back to all the stuff going into the brain being processed. Um, and during that processing, it can shift and morph. You know, things get filed away, and then it we think that we know what happened, but then it gets shifted a bit more, and other stuff gets filed away, and then, you know, the actual event just is gone. Well, and then there's the memory problem. When we recall memories, we are rewriting them. We're writing over them. Mm. You don't recall a memory and then safely put the untouched file back away in the in the system. If you bring it up and you relive it, you rewrite it. Yeah, and, it's a new memory. And you record it with whatever the emotions are when you recalled it, which is why therapy works, thank the gods. But it's also why we can get in depressive spirals, and all sorts of other things because we are rewriting those memories and attaching new emotion and new valuation to them mm-hmm. and there's a lot of theory that that's what we do when we dream that we take the day's short-term memories stored in our short-term memory and we go through them and we bring them up and we try to put them in some kind of logical order that makes sense for our narrative about our understanding of life and then we store them in long-term memory which like that means you get to rewrite your rough draft every day 
Mm. You know, and if if you're chewing on something for two or three days about that terrible conversation you had in an elevator or that stupid thing you said to that kid in second grade or whatever it is, how many times have you rewritten that? You know, how close to reality is it anymore? And what even is reality if that's what we're all doing? Mm. I mean, we're not the only person. Right. Mm. All right, shall we take a break and then we'll come back with why do we do magic? <laughs> why even bother then? <laughs> That's when things get really fun around oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break, uh, probably about five minutes. Um, don't go anywhere. If you've got any questions, please throw them in the chat. And when we get back, we will um, have a look at them and answer them. Uh, to the best of our abilities. If you uh, do like our channel or our content, please support us. There's links in the description for Patreon and buy me a coffee. And if you haven't already, go join the Wildwood Temple uh, Facebook group. We'd love to have you there. Okay, so we'll see you in five minutes. Hello and welcome back. Uh, we are talking about fate versus free will today, and uh, we're going to get really into the interesting stuff now. Uh, just before that, Llewellyn, um, so in short, nothing is true and everything is permitted. Yes, chaos theory. There you go. Chaos, or chaos magic. That is that is absolutely one interpretation you can take from all of this, and one that many magicians have. Mm. Um, Nothing is true and everything is permitted. Um, but uh, there's some other uh, theories that you can take from these ideas too, such that uh, chaos is the, or entropy is the decaying force and order is the building force. And therefore, in order to participate in creation and sustain life, you must participate in the creation of order. Mm. And. No. Go ahead. Yeah, the way I've always seen it is uh, you've got chaos is not the opposite of order. It's uh, dis- disorder is the opposite, and you have to have both in order to create chaos. And chaos is constant flux and motion, uh, which is basically the universe. Well, entropy is the opposite of order. I like that one okay. better. Perhaps nice. decay. But decay is its own kind of life, mm. which is a, um, yeah. a reordering uh, because life life is the energy that is never destroyed but simply changes forms and and transmutates um but that participation in the creation of order is participation in the creation of the universe because as soon as we stop participating in creation we cease to exist Mm. entropy wins and and disorder is the new norm because chaos itself is its own kind of order and life and movement um mm-hmm. but simply by being having orle uh, inheriting mortality we therefore are participating in the creation of order and are fated to continue doing that that's that's the contract mm-hmm. life for fate all right then now <laughs> 
Did you... everybody get their popcorn? All right then, so let's try and break it down. When we are walking through life, we do not have any free will. We do not make the choices. Uh, therefore, if we choose to do magic for a particular thing, we are not actually do choosing to do that magic. <laughs> it's already been chosen for us. <laughs> well, that is one way to look at it. So. There's another component to the whole what is fate and free will thing, and that's collectivism versus individualism. Often within the ideas of free will, we see ourselves as individuals acting on our own. Mm. I made a choice. I made a choice separate from my neighbor. My neighbor was not involved in my choice to do magic because my neighbor doesn't even know I do magic. Well, they probably do. I can't hide. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we think of ourselves as individuals and then there is the collectivist point of view that we are part of the greater web we are hooked into everything sometimes that collectivism is through um, the humans sometimes it's through humans and animals sometimes it includes plants sometimes it includes gods and spirits and ancestors and gaia theory or even bigger than that the solar system. I'm an astrologer. I work with, oh, I hate that phrase, planets all the time, right? And my, my choices are influenced by what the planets are doing or really what they're chronocating. They're not making choices either, in my opinion. They're faded. Mm -hmm. They're more faded than probably those with mortality. Yeah, well... Kayla, hi, hi, Kayla, how are you? Um, just asked, uh, can the gods and other entities guide fate? Um, and I believe the answer is no, they are also fated. Well, maybe. Maybe. Depends on what you mean by gods. Because <laughs> sometimes, mm. sometimes the definition of a god is an entity outside of fate. Mm. I mean... Yeah in some cultures or some traditions that is what makes them a god to be able to step outside of fate and there are even some magical practices and traditions that the point of doing magic is to overcome fate and successfully doing that is becoming a god mm. seeking individual embodiment which is but different if we were to... yeah, well sorry, it's different than communing with a god yeah but if we were to overcome fate, what would that actually mean? What would it entail? I mean, we're still going to live. So if we overcome fate, we therefore control our own fate. And in that case... We were fated <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so this, this is where my blank expression starts, starts <laughs> to come into play. <laughs> But, again, that's presuming a singular linear timeline to go yeah. from being a human with a mortal body in an individualist, you know, situation to making the choice to become a god or a magician that can overcome fate. When I would prefer to just kind of sidestep it. <laughs> we already are. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's confusing. 
it's terribly confusing and I don't think there are, there are hard answers. There are times when I find it very convenient to stand at this point on the spectrum and there are times when I find it convenient to stand at this point on the spectrum. And that's why I'm a hedge rider. I will stand wherever I need to to place the lever to move what I want to move. Mm. All right, so stepping out of time, that would be overcoming fate. Well, stepping to a different spot in perspective where time no longer looks like a singular linear construct. Mm. Because if you can, Which... if you change your perspective, you change your understanding of what you're observing and you're now interacting, observing in a different manner. Mm. That's how we change. So you're, 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 you're observing everything at the same moment though. Right. But you might drop some other things off. We do have, well, I don't believe we have an upper limit on the power of mind, which got me in trouble in school a lot. Um, but we probably have an upper limit on sensory input rate. Mm. So, you know, where we direct our focus matters. We might not pay attention to physical bodily processes like itch, hunger, uh, muscle cramps, fatigue, that sort of thing when we're over here looking at the the entirety of the flow of time because those things really aren't important to pay attention to right now so we put mm. those under the sleep filter and say go away i need to focus on this and i think hopefully everyone understands directed focus and directed attention in order to do those sorts of things uh, but you have to know something's there before you can turn that spotlight on it of focus because if you it's like using a flashlight in a dark room. If you don't know where the ceiling is, unless you go looking, you're not going to find the ceiling just by walking in and pointing your light. You know, and if you don't know, oh, there's a doorway somewhere over there, you might not head that way. You might not even look that way. You might assume it looks like the other parts of the room you've already examined. Mm. Yeah, because we had an interesting discussion a couple of weeks back about this. Um, if we were to consider that in order for something to manifest in the physical realm, it first needs to happen, take place, manifest, whatever, in the astral realm. And it then filters through into the physical. Um, but even then again, that's, that's considering a, a singular timeline. So... It's, it is all manifesting and happening all at the same time, but we consider it to be a sing singular timeline in order to understand it. So it happens on the astral, and then two to four weeks later, it'll manifest on the physical. But if somebody does um, a manifestation technique, all these new age manifestation techniques, and they do something, they want $10,000, and the next day they've got $10,000 in the bank account, um, you are actually saying that it's probably because they uh, are cognizant of, of what's actually actually happened on the astral already and therefore it's about to manifest and then therefore they, they do the manifestation technique. I'm not saying probably. I'm saying that is one explanation. That is one theory for how that works. Mm. Um, another theory is magic works on a singular linear timeline we had the free will we made the choice we did the manifestation technique and that is what caused it to happen but that's not the only explanation for how that works and there are other theories too 
I'm sure there are ones I don't know mm. because I, I haven't encountered them. I haven't experienced them. Um, and that, that precog thing works for short time periods. We can usually wrap our head around it. We have a harder time wrapping it around longer time periods or larger expansions of space. Yeah. But I mean, if we consider all this in terms of, of being fated, um, as we say, we then have to ask the question, why do we do magic? Um, because if I do, if I do magic for X, Y, and Z, and it's already fated, or even the manifestation technique, if it's already fated, then, you know, it's, even if you don't do it, is it going to manifest? Or if you don't do it, is it going to man manifest in a different manner? It's got to find its way here somehow. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to make it through regardless of what happens, because it's fated to actually be here. Well, so... There is one theory, again, from Doctor Who. Fiction exploring these concepts is, oh, is quite handy. Fixed mm. points in time. You know, Doctor Who goes back and changes things. Saves people, moves stuff around, makes changes. But there are times when he goes, sorry, can't do anything about that fixed point in time. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. This particular event happens. And my understanding of that, how I wrapped that out in my brain, was that so many people's fate, or lay, was bound into that caucus, that consensual reality, that fixed point in time, that there wasn't enough other non-bound wills to move it. The scale was tipped. There were too many people on that consensus that it, there was not enough to pile on the other end of the scale to make that event not happen. And that's because I'm a collectivist and an animist, and I think we're all connected and we're all participating in consensual reality in that way. But I'm also not an absolute fatalist. I believe in bound by fate. So, if you're an individual drop, you're a drop of water in an ocean, because you're connected to everything, you're a part of, of the great thing. And it is very hard to separate yourself out from it, but it happens because the water cycle occurs, evaporation happens, you become part of clouds, and you rain down, and then you become part of the ocean again. And there's probably a lot of travel in there through glaciers and mountains and streams, and somebody pees in you and stuff like that. But you know, you're still that singular drop. The stronger force of will you have, the more you hold together in that singular drop. You keep more molecules the same. And you are bound by all the stuff that surrounds you. You can only go so far because you got this bubble around you of everything you're connected to, and you must exist within that bubble. If I am a drop in the glaciers in the Colorado mountains, I'm going to have to move my bounds significantly to make it to the Indian Ocean. But it's not impossible. But I am still bounded by fate in that process. So the reason we do magic is to push those bounds. Mm -hmm. Because we can just stay within our little bubble and be fine. 
and go through all of the cycles and complete life. We can participate in creation. We can worship our gods. We can connect with our ancestors. We can do all of the things that create fulfillment and the creation of order and everything that is the process of life. Mm -hmm. Or we can push the stream. So if we're, I like my the boat analogy, we are the boat floating down the stream. Uh, astrology tells us what's happening on the stream, if there are rivers, if there are currents, whatever. But we're in the boat, right? <laughs> we're in the boat. We can't just like teleport out of the boat. We got to steer the boat. We got to make choices about the boat. Magic is augmenting your boat. Magic is getting a, a paddle. Magic is putting a motor on it. Uh, put in a tarp over the top for when it rains. And that's why divination is the other side of the coin to magic. Because if you don't know it's coming, you won't prepare for it. Mm. Right? And some people don't do divination because they're just naturally aware of the time stream either side of them pretty easily. Again, singular linear time, but really it's kind of a bubble 3D mushy thing. Um, and so they seem to be natural magicians because they've got the divination thing on lock. They're picking up that information and it's coming right through. And so it doesn't seem like as much work just because that information's there. I personally believe everyone can do that. You just kind of mm. got to turn it on and pay attention to it and learn the skill. It's like learning to walk as a baby. You got to work at it and bump your head on the coffee table several times. And hopefully someone else is there to pick you up and, and kiss your skinned knees while you're figuring it out. So, so that puts me like, yeah, this side of the middle of the fate and free will debate, kind of <laughs> on the faded side, <laughs> I think. Like I said, yeah. I'll stand in whatever place gets the job done. Mm, well, that's what we're going to do, isn't it? Uh, Lou think... wants to know if any anybody else's brain hurts. <laughs> I think Lee would say yes, as you've said that phrase to me many times when we have talked about this. Stop. Yeah, no, Ow. <laughs> it's, it's not so much a, a brain hurt. It's more of just a, a blank. <laughs> Did you encounter the blank screen? <laughs> nope, can't process this. And... <laughs> admittedly all this stuff is hard to think about it is mm. and it's uncomfortable to think about because it brings up so many base assumptions that we use to get through life you think about them too hard and you crumble too many foundations in your brain and you stall out and stop working for a little while so mm. like don't do that you know um don't just continually poke holes in your own reality. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, this this topic itself can actually create a lot of depression for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you start considering, okay, well, if everything's fated and therefore I'm not making any choices, what the fuck am I doing here in the first place? Um, but that's because we are part of that whole system. And uh, if we weren't here, the system would fail, it would break. So we've got to be here to do our thing, our purpose in life, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's 42. the... Um, yeah. 
I got a whole theory about why it's 42, but, um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think one of the other things that is the hallmark of being a witch is that being able to firmly stand wherever you need to be. And I talk about that a lot, you know, uh, Plato or Aristotle, I think Plato said, give me a place to stand and a lever long enough and I can move the world. Mm. And it's the same idea, but as witches, we get to choose where we stand. Our lever is our magic. And that start point we pick makes a difference on what that lever does. If we start in a point that is rooted in the idea of fate, then how we push will be different than if we do the exact same actions standing in a place that is rooted in the idea of free will. Mm. And it is that informed decision of where we stand when we take the actions we choose to take that will affect the outcome. And there's a whole bunch of assumptions in that sentence. Oh my God, tons of them. But you gotta start nailing some stuff down if you wanna get anywhere in life and not just stall out on a blank screen because nothing is real and everything is permitted. Yeah. Um, so to try and get over the whole why are we here, what are, what we're doing, and why are we doing magic? Um, I think even if even if everything is fated, and it is fated that we are doing the magic because we have to in order to make something manifest, we've got to do it, um, and it's the reason why we do it. Because if we didn't, then everything would just fall into disarray at the end of the day, and you know, even if we think that because we don't have the choice, we are, again, again, we're, we're still, we are part of that system and being part of that system is important and we become important. Um, but at the same time, if you view everything from one timey, wimey, wobbly, flobbly, everything else, then we are already, we've already overcome fate. And also um, not. And also not at the same time. Um, <laughs> now we're going to fuck with everybody's brains. Now, now the rest of this hasn't been greatly disturbing. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so why? Why do anything if everything is faded? And I think that relates to the stories we tell ourselves. Mm. Our, our life is narrative. We tell ourselves stories all the time about who we are, who the people we interact with are, what is our place in relation to them, what sense of belonging and importance and purpose do we get out of the actions that we take. We create meaning through narrative. And if you believe that everything is fated an absolute fatalist idea you still have to tell the story because if you don't tell the story you are not participating in the process of creation and therefore you and everything else ceases to exist mm. not just you yourself it's not like just you know clicking the opt-out button on some spam email it's all of creation poof gone never was 
So we need narrative. We need narrative to create meaning. And we must create. We must. It is imperative to the flow of life. So even if we don't do magic, even if, you know, we aren't pursuing change in accordance with will, we must create narrative because we must exist. Mm. Other we, otherwise, we never was. But that's if you're standing in that absolute fatalist, everything is faded position. If you just scoot over a little bit into a bit of free will, you can choose a different reason. And you mm. can scoot further down the line into all free will and screw fate and choose an entirely different reason. Because it all just depends on where you stand. Yeah. And, you know, we don't even know if any of this is true. <clears throat> it's true for yeah. now, which... Yeah. But we might not even exist. We're just talking on a screen and just... Oh, but what is existence then? Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to say that this is an existence, then what is it? You know? I'm the kind of worms now. <laughs> Again, it, it depends on where you stand and what you want to define it as. We talk a lot about defining terms. And, and mm. especially when you're talking to other witches, especially when we're from different traditions and cultures, we usually got to have that back and forth for a little bit. Well, I'm using this word to mean this. Well, I'm using this word to mean this. I'm using this word to mean this. Even with the word like witch. You know, mm. it, we all have different nuances and different definitions. And the same thing happens when we're talking about where we build our foundations of reality. Well, what even is reality, right? You can just jump through different realities. I mean, that's half of being a hedge writer. So if they're all morphable and like Plato, and you can just kind of punch one into the other, that whole consensual reality thing kind of falls apart. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, Christopher, hello, Christopher. Don't see enough of you anymore, mate. Um, hello, beautifuls. What about uh, we are just living out the same experience over and over and slowly learning how to pick and choose our actions until the game is completed? Well, that falls into under uh, a singular timeline. Mm -hmm. Reincarnation. Yeah, because if you're doing the same thing over and over again, you you are going through a process and doing this. And there is no, you've got to forget about that singular bit over here. But that is absolutely one of the explanations I have heard uh, for how this all works. And like I said before, we got to have theories because mm. we're always asking how and why. And we will pick up theories that work and later they won't work or you know we may need to immerse ourselves in that theory in order to make something happen because the logic cascades from that underlying theory but later we may decide oh you know the logic doesn't work for that i need to be in a different theory i need to work in a different model that's why we say being a witch is holding paradox mm. Because the answer to so many things like this, is it fate or is it free will? Well, both and neither. No, because they're just, just theories which we need to actually, basically trying to punch holes in those theories and see what holds up. I think you should yeah. do that with like everything you believe. Everything. Pick mm -hmm. something up every full moon and go, does this still work? Let's see. 
Mm -hmm. Are you going to hold up? Will you pass the test? And, you know, that's how we we discover new things and, and figure stuff out. And just because it doesn't work in one scenario doesn't mean it can't be applicable in another always. Sometimes you punch so many holes in it, it just falls apart. And, mm. and just there's no reason to hold on to it anymore. But just like light is a wave and a particle. If we treat it as a wave, it behaves as a wave and we can utilize those properties. If we treat it as a particle, it behaves as a particle and we can utilize those properties. Now that's not 100% constant because every once in a while quantum theory just goes, fuck you, here's something new. You were doing mm. everything right and there's a variable you don't understand and you don't know about that has changed the outcome. And, you know, that happens. That is part of magic. Because I, I firmly believe magic is just science we don't understand yet. Mm. You know, we don't know what it's doing in the black box on the other side that makes magic work. But it's super fun to theorize about it. And the more we theorize, the more we learn about how to do it effectively. And especially about how to share with other people what we're doing. Because if you figure out how to do it yourself and it just works and you can just do it, it doesn't matter if you can describe it. It doesn't matter if you know how it works. It doesn't matter if you have a theory. But it's very, very hard to pass that on to someone else. Mm -hmm. So that's why we need to conceptualize all this stuff and, you know, make all these theories and come up with all these terms and all of these metaphors and everything else to try to share it with somebody else and hopefully have some people share it with us so that we can all get better and, and move our little bounds and, and soup up our boat and drive down the river of fate having a good time. I mean, I'd rather go down the lazy river with a margarita in my hand and some, you know, suntan lotion on than just holding on to the rowboat with holes in it for dear life screaming. Mm. If we're all going down the river, <laughs> you know. Do it the best you can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's actually important, though. Um, slightly off topic, though, is that we need to constantly, well, we need to constantly question, we need to constantly expand. And a lot of people don't do that. They will just hold on to a theory and they will just ride it to the end. And if anybody doesn't, doesn't agree with them, you know, they get knocked out of the way. But they don't grow and then they don't expand. You've got to have, have it's great to have people around who will constantly challenge your beliefs. If what? you can then argue your belief and it holds up, then keep it. If it doesn't, then expand, grow, change. We all need downtime. I mean, hmm. you know, constant challenging may not be the greatest. We all need downtime because growth is yeah, uncomfortable, I'm, challenging I'm, our beliefs I'm, is uncomfortable. I'm, uh, constant. I didn't really mean constant. Well, but I've had friends that have taken that to absolute heart that feel mm. like every time we interacted, it had to be an argument and a debate. And don't do that either. Balance in all things, you know, uh, the middle way. So, and like I said at the beginning of this with the caveat, it may not be time and place for you to be challenging these ideas. And if it's not, mm okay nothing wrong with that it is not always the time and the place for us to be bringing up these core beliefs that we base our life on and challenging them because sometimes that can lead to severe depression 
and, and you know, really nihilist views of the world and stuff like that. And we don't want to do that. You know, we want to be able to separate ourselves and our lives from these ideas and use them as tools. And it's, it's not all the time. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. And it doesn't have to be something that you're doing right this minute. I mean, it should be something you should put on your docket for some time when you, you got the spoons for it. But it's not always time. Mm. Yeah. And, well, time doesn't exist, does it? <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that one in. There. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I've run out of questions. My brain's gone blank. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Every time we talk about this, that happens. Oh no, not a very good brain. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've got my hot chocolate. That's good. That makes everything better. It does also something I learned from Doctor Who: eat a bar of chocolate after terrible time travel. Well, I thought it was uh, fish sticks and custard. Oh yeah, fish fingers, fish mm. fingers and custard. Mm. <laughs> Rihanna, hello, Rihanna. My friend Rihanna. Oh, the male's here. He's yeah, feeling well we, enough to bark. Yeah, Rihanna's just in time for the mail. There you go. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> he came to tell me that the mail has arrived. <laughs> yeah, my puppy. Puppy. He's an adult dog now. He's a full-size adult dog that scares most people. And they cross the street when we were walking because he's huge. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been sick the past couple of days, so I've been worried about him. Mm. So, Fine. divination. I get asked this a lot, because, like, divination is what I do. I'm an herbalist and an astrologer. So, a lot of times when people get readings, especially if it's, you know, bad news, because I'm, I'm one of those people that doesn't sugarcoat it, if it's, if it's bad, it's bad. They will be like, well, I don't want that to happen. Can I change it? And some people believe that divination is simply we're taking an energy imprint of the moment. And if everything continues going the way it's going, this is the likely outcome. Right? And so from that theory position, then absolutely, yes, you can change it. And divination is the proactive way to check and see if there are rocks ahead on the river, right? You want to know if there's bad stuff coming so you can sidestep it. Um, I was actually just listening to uh, Hacking Fate and Renaissance Astrology talking about Ptolemy's centraloquisms, which are a hundred little aphorisms for astrologers about how to read charts, like handy little sayings. And one of them basically boiled down to the reason we do astrology is so we can duck when the shit hits the fan. Mm. You know, that's the whole point. Um, it's not necessarily that we can change it. It's that we can be prepared to write it out. So there's the idea that you can change and therefore that's not the path you're on anymore. You've changed the energy and therefore the outcome has changed. There's the idea that you can't really change it, but you can change your response or your preparedness. And then there's some people that are just like, it is what it is. You're going to go through it. 
it's going to suck, deal with it. And I have given readings of every one of those varieties, depending upon what's going on, where me and the client are standing and our understanding of fate and free will and time. You know, because sometimes people come to me for a 30-minute tarot reading. It's not time to discuss that singular linear time construct is not useful. And is free will really a thing? That's not that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You see, this is where, where heart fatalism falls down for me. Because <clears throat> if we can view the energy or, or the, the path that, that we're taking uh, through astro astrology, etc., and as you said, you know, you know what's coming, so you can duck before anything happens or the shit hits the fan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then, do we? You know, if if we if we view it from the hard fatalist point, what's the point? Because then, you know, it's coming. You can see it. You're going to duck. It's not a choice. Right. Because you participated. Because you found out. Yeah. You were fated to find out. Therefore, you were fated yeah. to duck, okay. and you were fated to know. And yeah. that's the problem with hard fatalism, is that you can, it's circular logic. You can argue that you were fated to do every fated thing. Yeah. And, like, okay, well, if that's the circle you want to live in, it gets me super depressed. But mm. you can argue that, you know, but I do think it, Upon close examination, just like absolute free will, it falls apart when you really get to looking at it. You know, and my favorite argument that I used in my younger days when I was a, a spitfire was, you know, somebody would tell me everything is faded. Uh, usually they were pompous magicians who, I know everything, I know everything that's coming. I have studied all of the great charts and all of the great texts, and I do my divinations, and I know everything. And I would punch them in the face. See that coming? That's always <laughs> the argument, right? And then they'd be like, well, yeah. I was like, then why didn't you duck? Mm. Well, I was fated to do that. So you wanted to hurt? You know? <laughs> so, eh. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't hold up on either far end of the spectrum. Yeah. And also, I mean, if we are um, divining for something and we think that we are making a choice, you know, the, there's there's one logic or one theory that we make both choices. So we split off into a parallel life. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember years back I, I was going through, I actually can't remember what it was. It was something big in my life. And I remember actually doing a ritual to say goodbye to this other Lee. Oh, it was actually a decision to, to continue with magic or not, mm. interestingly enough. And I actually did a ritual to say goodbye to this other Lee. And it was, I could actually see it. It was like this, these two paths had like split off. And I decided to go down this one and he decided to go that one. And I wished him well. Um, so there is that kind of theory where we make all, all the choices that we make are being made. We don't just make one, we make all of them. Um, Which is like the the theory of fate we were talking about earlier, but the other way around. Instead of probabilities collapsing into a singularity, every choice is a bifurcation. And it continues and continues and continues. And, mm. you know, 
both of those make sense to me because those are both patterns that I see replicated in the universe. I think that's one of those key things that if you're looking for a theory, if you're looking for an explanation of how stuff works, if you could go out and find it happening in nature again and again and again and again and again, you probably are on to something. Mm. No. Um, Natalie's in the chat. Hello, Natalie. Uh, yeah, you can comment this week. You were commenting last week, so stop complaining, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like those two are just having a good chat over there, so... Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, just having a chat amongst themselves, so we'll just leave them to it. Yeah, so, right, back to divination then. Um, so being able to actually see the threats, I'd say that's how I've always understood it really, is that we, you know, that whole weave, the web, and et cetera, et cetera, and actually being able to see what direction the, the, the threat is going and what's, what's coming. Um, it's just how I, that's probably why I don't do divination, which is very bad of me. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you ask me, <laughs> so you do do divination. Yes, uh, if, it, if it's something very serious, I'll double check with you. <laughs> hey, you who do this regularly, look. <laughs> don't feel like killing that. Not sure I should kill that person, but should I kill that one? <laughs> I do not give advice like that. Do not come and pay me for a reading for that. <laughs> no, 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 I was just joking. Just joking. <laughs> I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Shit. Oh, awesome. <laughs> ah. I succeeded. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of threads to pull together here. Huh? Um. <laughs> oh, so the bifurcation oh, yeah. in the timeline. Okay, so we're presuming a singular linear timeline that moves only in one direction at a constant rate, but choices in free will act upon it by creating a split. So each split can potentially split at any other time based upon choices, and eventually we have an infinite number of possibilities of the selves. And if you consider how many choices you may have made up to this point in your life, by the time you get old, there's too many of you to keep track of, and that's why we die because our soul has been split into entirely too many possibilities. So that theory goes along with the idea of why we meditate and why we do magic. Bring it all back together so that those splits that keep occurring, you can let things go that you don't want anymore and shave them off, but eventually you have to go get bits of your soul and pull them back into the singular timeline. And that is one of the ways of, quote-unquote, overcoming fate. Because fate itself is the process of making choices and exercising free will that causes the constant splits that eventually leads to entropy. And entropy is the end of life, complete entropy. So we can fight entropy, which is fate itself, by pulling things back together, creating order out of chaos by purposely going and collecting up all those bits that we have split off. And because we're collecting them back, after we have split them off, we have the chance to reform them and put them back together in a different way. What's actually coming to my mind is Castaneda, and I think there's a bit of 
may have been a misinterpretation with uh, the work. Um, he speaks about doing re recapitulation, which is basically detaching your energy from other people and pulling it back for your power. Um, so that if you can re recapitulate your whole life, this life, mm -hmm. then at the end, you then bypass the eagle <clears throat> and become a linear, linear, linear spirit. Um, and this is, sounds exactly what, like what you're saying, except that it's not just this life. Right. It's about pulling yourself from all of the different lives and gathering all of that power so that you can overcome fate, which would be the same thing as bypassing the eagle. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think I think the Castaneda view might be a bit limiting. Well, it, it could be because it, it presumes singular linear timeline. Mm. And yeah. at reincarnation, as described by Castaneda, is still happening on that singular linear timeline. Even though that once you get this life put back together, you need to go do it with the other ones and gather it all up because all of that is you. It also pres presumes individuation. That we are, you know, an individual, which could be said to be part of what overcoming fate is also. Um, mm. You know, the story of Caridwin soup, that after you die, all of your bits get poured back into the soup and it's a cauldron that is constantly bubbling. And when it's time for a new being to have a soul, she scoops her ladle up and ladles it out. Now, if you developed a strong will to hold your bits together, you're a potato and you tend to stay mostly a potato in the soup, you know? And so you get to go back and you can have memories from other lives. And that's why like 7,000 people think they're Cleopatra because there's a whole bunch of essence of Cleopatra in the soup. And everybody got a little bit of it in their ladle when they got a new life. You know, that sort of thing. But overcoming fate is having such a strong will and a cohesion that not only do you survive the suit, but you can climb out on your own. You can get mm. out of the, the cauldron. So, you know, just another way of looking at that. Again, that presumes a singular linear timeline and an individuation. Mm because we yeah. got to have some constructs to stand on or we can't have a conversation. Our minds will just yeah. explode. Yeah. And this, this is where Mr. Potato Head came from. <laughs> really nice. uh, just go, to, go into the chat quickly. Uh, yeah. Natalie's telling me to F off. Cool. All right then. <laughs> love you too, darling. Um, and she loves your, loves your blue hair. Oh, thank you. Uh, Christopher's going to go catch bad guys. Cool. Uh, she's gone. Um, narcissists shouldn't have free will. Narcissists don't have free will. They're fated too, uh -huh. to be narcissists. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And why? To create balance, to challenge us, to make us grow. Well, there is always one that, that, you know. Our existence is simply life having an experience in all of the ways that experience can manifest. Mm. So. I suppose if, if, if we need a narcissist in our life, it's for a reason. That's one of those faded ideas that everything happens for a reason, which does also connect to the idea of like a divine arbiter or architect or creatrix that pre-plans everything and 
has a plan. How often do we hear people say God has a plan? But then there's mm -hmm. also the Buddhist sense that no one is in control. Everything is fine. You know, yeah. uh, it's, in my opinion, it's what you find comforting in your time of need. And I find different things comforting at different times. It kind of depends on what's going on. You know, if my kid is sick and on the edge of dying, I'm not comforted by God has a plan. I'm comforted by no one is in control. Therefore, I can push on some stuff with magic and make the outcome mm. what I want. Do we really, really, really know? All we've got are theories. And we can only create those theories based on the coagulation, the coalescence of a variety of experiences. That's why we got to read ancient grimoires. That's why we got to read other people's works. And that's why we got to talk to each other. Because there's no way I myself can have all of the experiences or all of the knowledge, which would be wicked cool. But I can't read that fast or live that long, you know. But... I have other people have to think things other people have to experience things in order to cr increase our collective knowledge and refine our theories and the more theories we refine the more we move that line between magic and science mm. well, i mean with with narcissists though i, mean, I remember uh, it was a long time ago there was a discussion in a magic group and it was mostly around uh people who get into relationships that are abusive and they get out of that relationship and they go into another one which is abusive and it just keeps cycling and doing the same thing over and over again and the somebody was in the discussion and they were saying that we have a lesson to learn and until we learn that lesson it's just gonna keep on happening um, so I guess having a narcissist come into our life for a reason, for a fated reason, would be to learn a lesson, to stand up for ourselves, grow, become bigger, um, realize that the narcissist is actually weaker, usually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I just believe that it's, it's all there for a reason. I have heard that, and the unfortunate thing about that explanation is it can very quickly lead to some victim-blaming bullshit of mm. you deserve this because you had to have it happen to you. Now, in hindsight, we all have to write our narrative and we have to create meaning. It's why we ask why. And yes, the horrible things that happened to me, I would much prefer to look back on them and take the lessons out of them than the pain. If mm. I got to take something with me, I'd rather take lessons than pain. But I will never translate that to it was deserved mm. because that that is a uh, spiral of blame and pain that none of us need to slip into it's like going down a shitty toilet hole you know once it starts zoom mm. so no i definitely wouldn't say it's deserved that's that's but nobody deserves that that idea that it's all faded and it was meant to happen and you needed a lesson needed mm. that's that's right on the edge of the slope to yeah, victim no, blaming 
And just mm. saying that to someone can be enough for them to fall down that slope anyways, even if you don't say it, you know? Mm. So I think it's very important that we keep that in mind. And we, as we talk about fate and free will, morality has to come into play too. You know, mm. if, if everything is fated and we don't have a choice, then do we deserve all of this? And hence comes some of the ideas of karma and dharma. The idea of, you know, punishment and, and repaying debts and that sort of thing. And yes, there's absolutely an element of debt built into our understanding of cause and effect on a singular linear timeline through reincarnation. But as soon as we take away that singular linear timeline, cause and effect falls apart and therefore... The idea of punishment and deservedness and needs fall apart. You know? Mm -hmm. So when we're exploring these concepts, we have to keep in mind where our morality and understanding of morality play into this. And this is why it's important to be in the right place at the right time to examine these concepts usually with somebody who can help you uh, not fall down the terrible rabbit hole because we're going to poke ourselves into some dark spaces i mean it just happens when you're out exploring right mm. you know, and especially plumbing your own psyche the longer you haven't been in there the messier it can be so protect yourself from pain don't don't go causing pain for for, you know, just trying to explore things and trying to, to push things around. And it's it's so important because we, most of us live in an overculture that is predominantly Christian. Oh. And that Christian worldview <clears throat> uses guilt and deserved punishment for things like their concepts of original sin as a baseline for the understanding of morality. And... That stuff's deep, deep in there for a lot of people. Um, raised in a Christian church or not, it's part of our overculture. And sometimes we don't see it. Uh, you know, we don't realize we're following those patterns. There are unconscious base assumptions. And so don't let yourself get snaked down into that because it's, it's super easy in a lot of these things. Super easy. Yeah. No, I think as we keep saying this this topic is overall quite difficult. Uh let me just have a look at chat quickly. Uh Natalie and Lou are, are carrying on again. Does life happen in cycles and we just break out and of them? Sorry, let me try that again. Does life happen in cycles and we just break out of them or are there no cycles? A cycle would again uh, suggest a singular time, a singular. I've forgotten the word. <laughs> linear. Linear, yes. Linear Singu timeline. Singular go. linear timeline. We've said that a billion times in, yeah. <laughs> in this show. So that's another one of those things. Is it fate or is it free will? Is it cycles or not cycles? Yes, both, neither. It depends on what you want to do with it. If it is uh, more productive at the time to 
stand in a place where cycles are useful, then cycles. If it's more productive to not have cycles, then not cycles. I usually tend to side with cycles because that fits my observations with the natural world. The place that's bigger than me that I'm not directly acting on other than observing. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's absolutely true because it's just a theory. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and say that you should probably say this name. I'm going to try and say it anyway. Wolf Heathenar. I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Not now. Yeah. That's all. No, I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> um, yes, it's a wipe idea, by the way. Um, and also said, uh, from my pain comes my power and wisdom. Um, unfortunately, not for everybody. Uh, I think that's what we're trying to get at. You know, sometimes it can spiral into something completely opposite to that. Which why these these things become quite difficult to discuss sometimes the ability to um, transform pain or to transform anything like that into something else is a skill that has to be worked mm -hmm. on and it has to be worked on in a supportive environment just like any other skill mm -hmm. you, you have to make failures in order to get better at any skill and not everybody's in a place where it's time to work on that skill and you know when you're building skills you don't dive in the deep end you start small you build on it so you know awesome that that's where you are but it's not where everyone is and mm. i don't want to send anybody unexpectedly over the edge i want everybody to get to the point where they can build all the skills that they want to the mastery that they want that would be wicked awesome, but meet people where they are. Mm. Um, butterfly effect? That would be cause and effect. Cause and effect doesn't exist. We would determine that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause and effect is a useful metaphor if it applies. Oh, just bugger it all. <laughs> bugger it all. I think the butterfly effect is a very cool idea, but I think the main thrust of the butterfly effect is realizing that everything is connected it's not individual with zero consequences outside of your own individual path that every action choice whatever that we take whether fated or not is connected to everything else and we gotta not have that be so self-centered and realize there's you know seven billion other people on the planet plus how many animals and insects and other forms of life and everything else they're all doing the same thing too and they're all having an impact upon us so that's where my you know bounds of fate happen because no matter how strong my will is there's there's eventually a numbers game in play about how hard i can push to move the needle on reality because I might be fighting seven billion other wills if we're just considering humans. How many ants are there on the planet? I mean, mm -hmm. if the ants want to build a nest, 
in my flower bed when I really don't want them to be. My God, they have been there for seven years, despite my force of will to keep watering them and try to get them to move. So, you know, there is, there is a numbers game eventually in play. So, mm. I don't know where I was going with that. I want to do great things and, you know, great and terrible things, like with the ring, but <laughs> not really. <laughs> I was just in a terrible play once and had to learn that line. <laughs> but I also, I also had a very interesting thought when you were talking about that, and now I can't remember. Again. Yeah, we've kind of punched some holes in our brain today. Yeah, I think so. Lots of little pokey bits. <laughs> yeah. All right, so shall we, shall we, I think we'll, well, we've been on for two hours. It's been live for two hours anyway, so let's call it a week. Oh, and Llewellyn mm. had another question. How would oh. one break away from the linear timeline idea? Uh, just know that it's man-made. <laughs> That's where you got to start. Um, so every time it comes up in your thought process or in conversation, you have to challenge it mm. and be like, mm, that's not it. Mm, that's not it. And of course you will eventually have to replace it with a different model. Um, so you can um, like look up uh, the theory of the 10th dimension, which has some stuff about how time functions in different dimensions and why time is its own dimension. Um, you can also, you know, uh, explore fiction. This is where a lot of this kind of stuff is being explored in science fiction. Uh, because consensual reality current says singular linear timeline. But the most important part is to realize that it's a foundational concept in the structure of our language and how we communicate. And because it's so foundational, you will have to continually challenge it every time it comes up. Every time you say because... Every time you say before, after, when, every time you're like, oh, that happens at two o'clock. <laughs> All of those are based on a singular linear timeline. And you're going to have to punch at it for a long time before it starts to break away. And you can see other possibilities. Yeah, and on, on that same topic, just remember you probably can't see... All of those possibilities constantly yeah you're gonna to have to come back to a point where you can actually function in reality or as we call it reality uh otherwise you're just gonna go freaking insane yeah um so it, it's one of those things that you every now and again sort of challenge and you consider and you think about and you roll it around in your head and you talk to people about it like we're doing now but you can't do it constantly you will go uh, over the hedge cuckoo and be in the wild and, and disconnected <laughs> from society and therefore support and functioning and that sort of thing um which you mm. know that's also a danger for magicians and witches we can fall mm. off that deep end too so lots of tightrope balancing stuff happening mm. definitely all right then we're going to come to an end today and thanks everybody for the chat uh i think i've sort of got everything there was a long chat going on between natalie and lou there i think they must get their own chat room <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks everyone
Uh, oh, we didn't actually decide what we're doing next week. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to let you know. Yep. It's going to be a mystery. We'll, <laughs> we'll come up with something. <laughs> yes, something. We'll figure it out. Less brain hurdy than fate and free will, I think. Lou <laughs> 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 uh, said thank you. It's a pleasure. Glad we hurt your brain today. Thanks for being here and, and talking to us and asking questions. Yes, definitely. All right, so if you want to support us, links in the description down there, down there somewhere. Um, yes, definitely. You can, you can, you know, you can buy us a coffee. Uh, unfortunately, there, there, there is no buy us a tea. Um, but you can buy us a coffee, or you can go to Patreon and support us there. And I actually just want to thank all the the people who have supported us so far. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I've been debating whether we should name them or not, whether they want to stay private. I don't know. We'll figure that one out. Well, um, um, so how about next month? Because there's not much of this month left. We will start naming our contributors, our, our patrons and our contributors. And if you don't want your name, or if you want a different name than like what, you know, comes through on the statement, just contact us and let us know. Um, so. Yeah. Good plan. There you go. All right, then. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Have a good one.